I'm Anat Carmon. Good morning or good afternoon, John Fratarelli. Uh, we're both physicians at the Fertility Institute of Hawaii. We'd also like to introduce you to Dr. Carrie Eifer. Hi. Um, hi. <laughs> so, Carrie, Carrie, thank you for joining us. Of yeah. course, my pleasure. So today we're going to be going through a Facebook Live session regarding the emotional impact of infertility. And we're so, so lucky to have um, Dr. Carrie Eifer joining us. She is a reproductive psychologist and the author of Building My Family, A Story of Egg Donation and Surrogacy. She really is a specialist in this field. Uh, we work with her closely uh, for our patients as well as um, for our egg donors, gestational carriers, etc. cetera. Um, and we uh, really wanna hear what she has to say regarding um, fertility and uh, the emotional impact. Um, a bit on, on, on mental health. So um, I don't know if you wanted yeah, to get so, started. So, you know, Carrie, obviously, you know, infertility or fertility treatments, you know, they're psychologically very, very difficult for patients. Um, can you kind of talk, talk us through what the psychological impact of, of infertility or infertility treatments are? Sure. Um, I think the first thing to realize is that infertility or fertility problems, um, it is an extremely distressing um, life crisis for people. And um, a lot of times couples have never experienced something to this degree before. And it can evoke a lot of feelings of loss. And um, there's so many decisions to be made. And some of the common uh, feelings that go along with infertility are depression, anxiety, feeling out of control, feeling isolated. And all of those feelings are really normal um, and um, can be part of the process. And it really is normal to have ups and downs throughout it. Um, I think that we see what we there was a study done where they measured the level of stress um, of infertility patients and compared it to um, other conditions, and it's um, it's equivalent to a cardiac illness and cancer and things like that. So it really packs, unfortunately, a tough punch that um, people can experience. However, um, I think one of the first steps in realizing how to deal with that is to recognize that uh, infertility really is a medical problem and um, that you can't make yourself produce quality eggs and that you can't make yourself um, produce a certain number of sperm. It's all these things are out of your control. And um, the good news is with infertility that it is completely treatable. It is completely treatable. I think it just depends how far you want to go with it. And um, it might not happen in the exact way that you thought. But it is something that Dr. Farrelly and Dr. Carmone can certainly help you um, move through. Um, so, any, what, can, what's the next question? Yes, I ask, can I follow up with that a little bit? You know, yeah. so, you know, I think you know, people know, you know our fertility, my fertility journey. Um, you know, we were at the point where you know, I was really done. Didn't think it was going to work. And my wife went to another cycle, one more cycle. And, 
know, magic happened. Um, and so I think, you know, one of the things that people, I guess everyone, including myself sometimes, we kind of think that all of the stress and all of the psychological impact is on the female, but it's really not. Uh, the male is impacted too. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, men and women have equal levels of distress in going through that, but how they um, experience it or talk about it, it can be very different. Um, women often um, experience a lot of emotional distress and need to talk about it, and um, it affects their self-esteem. And men um, tend to want to fix it. And some of these things are um, unfixable without help. So um, we have that different dynamic. And if each part of the couple is not understanding the other, it can create uh, problems. So, Yeah, and, and I think um, just a comment about what you said before about recognizing it as a, as a medical problem. I oftentimes will uh, that's one of the first things that I discuss with patients. Um, a lot of patients come to me and they, they just say, I, I don't understand why this isn't happening. This is creating so much stress in our lives. How, you know, and, and I just say, you have to think of this um, as any other medical problem where we have to kind of undergo some tests um, and then look at the best treatment options for you. So I, I think that first step is really a huge step in your overall mental health, um, it, it would seem to me. I ask um, some of the folks that come to see me struggling with infertility, like, what advice have you gotten? And um, some of the things that they've been told are, why don't you just adopt? Um, you just need to go on vacation. Um, you just need to relax. Or what's the big deal? You already have a child and you're young. You have plenty of time to get pregnant. They've heard it all. And um, I think those comments are people are trying to help, but it's uninformed. And um, I think the what people need to understand too is that there is no rigorous relationship uh, between stress causing infertility. Now, it may make you feel feel terrible, and we can talk about ways to deal with that, but you don't have to worry that stress is going to cause your infertility and that we really don't see an impact on pregnancy rates according to a certain body of um, research. So telling patients to go on vacation, so I need to stop doing that. Yeah, you need to stop doing that. And just, yeah, you know, you must be doing something wrong. <laughs> exactly. So, so tell us then about, um, you know, coping mechanisms. Obviously, infertility does cause a lot of stress. Even if stress doesn't cause infertility, it obviously works the other way around. Yeah. Um, what are some of the coping mechanisms? How can they, um, how can they deal with that? Sure. I think the first step is to really accept your emotions and understand that there's no right or wrong way to experience infertility. Some people might feel um, hopeless. Some people might feel um, angry or um, have despair, think it will never work. Um, and I think that just understanding what you're feeling is the first step into developing even more coping strategies. 
And one of the most damaging ones, I think, that we need to avoid um, is to avoid any kind of guilt, that this isn't anybody's fault. And just like, you know, if you um, come down with cancer, that's not someone's fault. So we need to look at infertility as something, as I said before, to be able to get, um, that you can treat. But um, thinking about it as, um, and personalizing it um, just doesn't really help. Um, and then I think the other, and one of the other things you can do is some, oftentimes if people are invited to baby showers or family events, those things, people don't know what to do about that. They feel guilty about not going. They feel terrible about being angry and that they don't want to go. But you need to figure out a strategy for that. And um, I usually will tell people, it is absolutely fine if you don't go to a baby shower. In fact, maybe you shouldn't go to the baby shower. Write a note, send a lovely gift, and just say you can't attend. And I think it's important to be able to um, protect your own emotions and um, to not engage in something that might be very hurtful. You don't have to go. Um, also, if you're able to maintain your physical well-being by exercise, by eating well, um, that certainly helps. Um, one of the things that actually overlaps with COVID right now in terms of coping is doing something for someone else. If you can engage in some volunteer activities, if you can reach out to someone who might be in need, that's another way of kind of coping with some of this distress. Um, also, everyone who has infertility has questions that are um, they don't know how to answer. Like, when are you going to have a baby? Or, you know, how come you haven't knocked her up yet? Or, you know, all these questions. And having a joint um, way of answering these and something that's planned out is going to be really helpful because you're going to know what to say. And sometimes you can say, we're working on it. Or I'm just not comfortable discussing that. Or I'm not sure. How are you doing? And direct it back to so those are some ways to kind of be prepared for those questions so they don't overwhelm you when they happen. And not only, I think it's important to um, understand your emotions, but also to be able to communicate your emotions to your partner. So um, know that whatever you're feeling is okay, but you also, it's important to talk about it. But at the same time, the way we manage this is because stereotypically women want to talk about it more and talk about it a lot and talk about their feelings and it can overwhelm men. So who feel paralyzed, to, you know, as I said, to fix it. So put a timeline on it. Like we're gonna talk about this for 20 minutes to half an hour each day and listen, but, that allows the partner who likes to communicate, knowing that they have time to do it, and the partner that doesn't like to talk about it as much or feels overwhelmed by it to put some time limits on it. 
Yeah, I, I think uh, John is feeling yeah. kind of overwhelmed right now. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's great advice. The, pro the problem is that it needs to be told to couples initially, rather yeah. than you know, the, you know the, hey, when you this is going to be an, this may be an issue for you guys. You guys need to be able to take you know take some time and talk about it, but set limits and um, because it's difficult for couples to do that in, in the heat of battle, basically right. when when things aren't going aren't going right. And obviously, um, you know, as physicians in in our in our office with patients, we have a lot of material to cover. We have to, you know, in, discuss their testing results. We have to uh, go through treatment plans with them. Um, do you think we should really be making this a priority? I mean, I think I'm going to know. I think I know your answer, but um, I'll ask it anyway. Uh, do you think that we should be? I mean, I think I need to be at least doing a better job of bringing this up and and talking about these communication strategies um, ahead of time when I have both of these patients in the office. Is that something you think that the physicians should be introducing and how would you suggest we work that into our consult? Um, you know, I think it's really difficult. And this is where our roles come in because you guys have so much medical information to give to people and the time. So yes, have it be a sketch, but um, be able to refer to a psychologist or a mental health professional in reproductive medicine that really understands the issues. Because I, you guys are, I understand, pressed for time and the breadth of things you need to cover. So, right. And, you know, I, I think it's important. You know, and maybe you can correct me because I'm, I'm not a psychologist. You know, I think it's important to take control of, of, of your life. You know, and part of that, like you just mentioned, was yes. you know the diet, exercise routine. You know, to having a, having a routine. What about other things like yoga, meditation, acupuncture, things like that? All those things I think are really important um, ways to cope with the stress of um, infertility. And I think you touched on one of the key parts in making it through is that um, you need to be able to control what you can, and that actually goes for what's going on for infertility and for COVID. So um, the things that you can control are communicating as a couple um, and also having a joint um, coping strategy. For example, there's so many times when only one partner is going to the appointments where if you make it that both partners go to the appointments, it, it's a joint way of um, coping with it. Um, and also in terms of taking control of um, who does what, for example, if one person makes the appointment, the other person deals with the insurance. And um, there's a lot of things um, that you can control in your life, like um, making reservations to go to dinner. Not now, but <laughs> maybe at a, at a future time or picking up a, a, a nice meal. Focus on the things that you can control that help you build your relationship. Do, do you know of any like um, apps or are online? I mean, everyone's on their phone. Everyone's on their yeah. phone. Are there are there like apps or anything that can help people with you know helping with stress or you know coping? I have a favorite and it's called uh, Ferticalm and Fertistrong. And that one is built by a colleague of mine, um, 
a few of them, I believe. And I really love that app. It has all different kinds of um, uh, ways to handle bad news or to um, what to do when you're feeling down, what to do when you're feeling anxious. And the uh, Furta Strong one is for men and Furta Calm is for both. So. Yeah, and we actually we actually do um, yeah utilize those you know sometimes as, as well. Um, and then what about um, I think we were talking earlier and you mentioned potentially having meetings and talking to others with fertility issues. Um, is that something that patients can also do online? Is that uh, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, I I think. Um, some people um, like to be part of like a group and some people don't. Um, but it is important, even if you're someone that doesn't like to participate in support groups or something like that, that you find at least one person um, who, even if they haven't experienced infertility, that they are supportive and can understand and are non-judgmental. But um, if you can find someone who has, and there are many people out there, including myself, who have been through infertility, um, I think people find that it's a unique group. You know, while all their friends are wanting to, are getting pregnant and celebrating, they're at the opposite end of feeling hopeless. So finding people who can also relate to your feelings, I think is really important. Um, part of it. And there's um, the group of is called Resolve. I know you guys work with them a lot and um, recommend that group. And they are the infertility. Um, they, it's a nonprofit that has all kinds of information and support through it and local groups um, for infertility support. And of course, if you need more support, if you're finding that you are continuously down, if you are struggling in your relationship, if you cannot stop thinking about infertility, um, if you've had losses, um, we recommend that you reach out to um, a mental health professional. We can be helpful in um, help, helping people cope with some of those uh, decisions and, um, you know, uh, disappointments. Uh, that was that was actually one of the questions I have for you. You know, when when should people seek professional help? Um, you know, one of the one of the cons concerns, but one of the difficulties though, sometimes I have somebody sitting across from me, and I can tell that that you know she or he are very, you know that they're very emotionally distraught, uh, and and this is very upsetting for them and very stressful for them, and and I will recommend that maybe they talk to somebody who's better at talking and listening than I may be. Uh, you know, and they always say no. Um, you know, how do I? What do I? You know, how do I manage that? I think the best um, thing you can do is to normalize it and just say that your feelings are normal um, going through this, and that um, you don't have to be crazy to go see a, a psychologist, and that. Um, you know, it really can be helpful um, because you don't want to be miserable going through all this. It's so stressful. Can we at least turn turn down some of the negative emotions that you're feeling? 
and help you get through. Um, but yeah, I think that, that would be yeah. my best advice. Um, I just wanted to switch gears a little bit because I really do want to hear about how infertility affects couples. Um, obviously, you know, this is, I think we all know that this can put um, a huge strain on partnerships um, and sure. to kind of hear, hear from you about that. Well, I think it does put a strain on partnerships, but I think you have two choices. You can either turn away from each other or you can turn towards each other. And like with a lot of um, crises in life, you can become stronger and closer from it. Um, or you can let it tear you apart. And it takes active effort, I think, to work together and move through it. I think initially, well, throughout the whole process, intimacy is a big issue because what I call um, when other people don't have infertility, can have a baby the cheap, easy, fun way, you cannot. And that really um, intimacy and sex is now linked with failure. And so to be able to untangle that takes some work and setting aside times where you um, are not in a fertile period where you can go out to dinner and enjoy each other um, while you're not trying to have a baby. So that's one way. And um, I think that... You know, the other thing we talked about is um, the gender differences and that how how folks communicate. Um, and that can really put people at odds. But recognizing that um, that feelings are just feelings. They don't have um, they're not bad or good. They just are. And allowing each other to kind of talk about that about what they're experiencing in a non-judgmental way because not everybody copes the same way the way that um whether you're a heterosexual couple or whether you're a same-sex couple not everybody copes the same way and making room for the other person is really important all right um so i think um a lot of us are obviously having a lot of extra stress, um, and, and patient, you know, so patients are dealing with the stress of infertility. They're also dealing with uh, some of their treatments being delayed, um, although hopefully that's kind of start starting up again. And um, but the, the stress of the COVID nineteen pandemic has put an extra layer. Um, of, of stress on patients already undergoing infertility or thinking about infertility therapy. Um, what advice do you have for coping with the stress of the pandemic? But, and I would add not only coping with like the infertility part, not, you know, needing to, like if they're cycling, needing to wait, but then when they're ready, like right now we're able to start helping patients, but now there's the psychological stress of what if I'm, pregnant and COVID, you know, is, is an issue. Sure. Um, you know, I think it's, it's really important, um, even thinking about COVID and the effect on pregnancy, is to listen to you guys. I know there's limited data, but there is some out there. 
and um, you know, being able to um, listen and apply that to your thinking. So do you want to comment on that briefly? And then I can kind of move forward about what we know. <laughs> sure. You know, well, as far as, you know, I guess the biggest you know, thing out there is, you know, what, what's, what, are, what's it going to be like in six months or a year, you know, and, right. and you know, there's lots of theories, you know, and, and I think the, the, the most prevalent one right now is you know, COVID's going to be around. It's going to mm -hmm. be around for a long time. Uh, the question is how severe is it going to be? Are we going to have a vaccine? Are we going to have treatments? Is it going to be more like the flu, you know, and then it's going to be a yearly thing. We just don't know, but it's, but it's right. there and it's going to be there. Um, and this, the unknown, I think, is the biggest issue for that. You know, and then as far as pregnancy goes, you know, it, it's it's new, right? It's a new virus. We we have we have a lot of data, but we don't have really any data because it's all it's all new. Uh, and, and so the data would suggest that in pregnancy, pregnant patients aren't more affected than non-pregnant patients. Um, but like any pregnancy, if you get sick, there mm -hmm. choose with the pregnancy, and, and the you know preterm labor, preterm delivery seem to be um, uh, a risk depending on wh which trimester you get it. It doesn't seem that it affects the fetus at all, like like uh, Zika, you know, where you don't you don't necessarily have fetal malformations or anything. Um, but it's still like, the biggest thing is it's just it's just all of a sudden dropped in our lap, and it's an unknown, and that causes a lot of stress for people. Right. Um, and I think we have to accept that it's unknown. And there's lots of things in life that we don't know, and that we we can't control. So um, getting back, it, that, this is where it parallels with infertility again, which is that um, control what you can. You know, um, you're going to take advice from your doctors to move forward now or not, and what types of treatment you're not going. You're going to protect yourself as best you can um, from that, but we can't control everything. Um, and I would say. Um, Regarding uh, infertility treatment and COVID, my biggest worry actually is people who are doing international surrogacy. And that um, what we've seen is that we don't know about the travel bans. So if someone is delivering a baby, the surrogate is delivering a baby and intended parents can't get here, um, that's, a, that's a problem. And so I think people need to think very carefully about their steps in doing that and how they might mitigate that. Um, and I don't think it's enough to just have somebody, somebody will take care of the baby for a little while. Because from a psychological perspective, we're really looking at bonding and we want the intended parents to be bonding with that baby immediately. So to me, the, um, the travel restrictions have been, um, I think something that is just really unknown that we we don't know. So, but at the same time, at the same time, um, if you're doing a surrogacy, you won't probably have a baby for 18 to 24 months. So I find it really hard to believe. I really hope we don't have travel restrictions in 18 to 24 months. It's just yeah. something I think to be really aware of. But but yeah. but the, the um the people who were doing international surrogacy uh, a year ago now are dealing with what you're, what you're talking about, right. where yeah. you know, the child's being born and, and they may not be able to, to be there. Right. Yeah. So 
that's 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 a huge that's a huge issue and, and they couldn't have predicted that of course that's uh no they had they could not have predicted that and um and they're finding very good options um to deal with it but i know that's it's it's been a struggle so yeah um but in terms of we sort of got on this in terms of COVID and coping. I think um, the most important thing is to have a routine. Um, and so you cannot mix your, to have your days just become mush, all mush together. There has to be work days and, um, you know, days for the weekend, whatever days those are for you. And there has to be individual time and family time. Um, and doing the things that you would maintain when it wasn't COVID-19. So if you shout, get up and shower every morning, make your bed, do the things that create routine for you versus staying in your pajamas for three days at a time is just, it's a recipe for um, mental health issues, I think. There's just no delineage um, and no routine. So. Well, we, I would agree. I would agree. Uh, and, and, you know, I have, you know, we, we do telemedicine consults with, you know, patients these days. And, and so, yeah, I do notice that, you know, sometimes they, you know, it's one o'clock in the afternoon and you know, people are still in bed. Um, and, I, I haven't necessarily thought about okay, is that affecting their mental, you know, their state, or you know, they're more depressed. I haven't, I haven't necessarily put that together, but that's something I'll start, I'll start thinking about, and maybe you know, asking some questions when I see that. Yeah, it's um, it's tough um, to have like no structure at all. You know, we sort of live by uh, structure and what our days look like, and feeling productive in whatever way whether you're caring for kids at home or whether you're working, um, you know, having some purpose in life is really important. Yeah. Um, and so I know that we did touch on this a little bit. I just wanted to, again, delineate the resources that are available for um, patients to deal with sure. aspects of infertility. Uh, you mentioned ASRM Resolve. Um, yeah. And um, those are all great options. And there's also something that I came across. Um, it's by Dr. Russ Harris. It's called, and he's author of a book called The Happiness Trap. And uh, he did a whole online presentation for how to deal with COVID. And I thought it was great. So it's a plug for Dr. Harris, but it's called Face COVID, F-A-C-E, uh, COVID. And it has a lot of um, different ways to um, manage anxiety and stress um, during this time. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, we'll be Perfect. we'll be watching that ASAP. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thank you. And then, um, is there anything else that you think we really need to cover uh, regarding mental health and fertility, COVID? I think it's important uh, to know when to reach out for help. And I talked a little bit about that, but really if people are feeling, um, you know, at all, like they can't concentrate, there's been change in the way they their eating habits. If there's been a change in um, 
for alcohol use, then I think it's a really important um, to be able to reach out for help. If you're feeling like you just can't cope, um, those are all one of many things to look for, um, you know, if, if you're really struggling and to please reach out. I think, you know, I think these days there's, there's so much out there again, you know, in, in, on the internet and different apps and everything, but, but you're right. If, if that's still not working, then the, the, you've got to go back to the tried and true method, which is, you know, talking to a professional. And I think because sometimes people are hesitant to come talk to us, you guys end up being the therapist. Yes, this is, this is true. Yeah. Um, and so, but I, I do, I, I do want to stress for our patients who um, are watching this or fertility patients in general, um, you know, you should definitely bring up to your physician if you're feeling really hopeless and feel that it would be a benefit for you to, to talk to somebody because we can help make the appropriate referrals. Um, and, you know, not, um, not everybody may feel comfortable even discussing that with their physician, but I think they, they should be aware, all of you guys who are watching should be aware that we're, we're really used to this. We're very comfortable in, in talking to you, but also making those referrals as needed. I think one of the things that is seems really obvious right now, because everybody is connecting on Zoom, look at us, we're connecting via teleconference, but um, is to stay connected with your friends and family. I think this is a particularly difficult time if you live alone um, and you're socially distancing, that um, have those Zoom conferences, um, you know, make regular get-togethers and so forth because um, humans need connection. And that's one of the ways that I think can inoculate you a little bit against depression. So don't be afraid to, to reach out. And also I think, you know, with, you know, what we're doing now, you know, with telemedicine, it makes it very, you know, very easy. I mean, they can, they can talk to you or, or someone else just, you know, with video conference. As yes. A, you know, going into the office eventually. I mean, I think all psychologists and mental health professionals and probably doctors too prefer in, in person. But we are where we are, and in my practice, and I would say everyone in my building who's doing therapy, we are all doing it via telehealth because we want to be able to do it as safely as we can. The only um, reason we, you would have to have a really um, valid reason to come in um, for in-person at this time. We hope it changes in the future, though. Right. Yeah, and um, again, for our patients in Hawaii, um, they're, depending on the insurance plans that you have, um, you may likely have benefits for forced uh, counseling. Um, and there are many patients who choose to, to pay out of pocket for counseling as well. So um, that's, again, just something to, to bring up to us so we can help make those referrals for you. And maybe you know about this, um, but I, I, I did read that um, somewhere that certain insurance companies are waiving co-pays. Um, for mental health. So that's something also to look into. I can't say exactly which ones, but um, I think people are trying to make it easier. So the Hawaii-based ones are, are waiving it not only for mental health, but for all tele, you know, all tele oh. 
They are. Yeah, is being the co-payments are being waived. We don't know how long that's going to be in effect for, but as of now, mm -hmm. that's understanding. Right. It's a good incentive. Right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. What other uh, questions do you guys come across um, regarding mental health or the concerns that you see that maybe I could answer? Is there anything that I left out? Uh, well, I just want to make one comment because somebody watching just made a comment that online support groups are amazing. Um, so I, I know that there are lots of Facebook groups, yes. things like that. You know, as physicians, we get sometimes, you know, they make us a little crazy, right? Because people um, unfortunately do, there is some false information that is kind of being spread on some of those, uh, some of those groups online. Um, but I think in terms of emotional support and connections and making yourself as aware as you can, I think that um, social media online support groups can be really great for that. I know, Carrie, if you agree or have any support. Oh, absolutely. I think yeah. um, you just have to be, some people are comfortable with it and some people aren't. And if, if that's one that is a great outlet for you, wonderful. I think um, the one part I think in, in our talk today that I, I think I may have left out is that one of the major decision points um, in infertility is when people are making a decision about using um, third party. And by that, we mean donors, we mean surrogates, we mean egg donors. And that can really be a time when you might want to reach out to a professional who um, a, a mental health professional who is really skilled in um, reproductive psychology because there are lots of different feelings and thoughts and things to think about that we can be helpful with um, in those um, points of the treatment, so. Yes, we, we agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think that's that's kind of what I had for you. It definitely is above and beyond um, what <laughs> what what I've expected. So, um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, oh, somebody was asking a question. Thank you, Carrie. Yeah. Well, let's see here. So, um, okay. So, yeah, we did touch on this a little bit, but um, I'll just read you this question here. I don't know, if Carrie, if you can see the questions, but. Um, right now okay yeah so someone's saying um, I feel like eventually a lot of infertility patients feel hopeless um, how would you know if your feeling of hopelessness is one that needs professional mental health um, or something you can handle on your own that's a really great question so as a patient how do you know when you should really be reaching out to a professional I think if, if that hopeless feeling doesn't go away or extends a long period of time uh, that's when you really need to reach out and reaching out doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be in therapy for the next year you can just go for one a few times and see if that's helpful to you and give it a try but i wouldn't want someone to be experiencing that negative of a feeling all day every day for weeks at a time so it, I think it's intensity and length of time. 
Yeah. And then also, I think, um, if, again, I'm not a psychologist, but um, if it's impacting your, your daily life in terms of tasks, right? So difficulty with concentration, um, changes in your sleep pattern, changes in your appetite or weight, right? I mean, those are some of the things that you need to really look out for as well. Affecting, affecting other family members, and your yes. friends. And of course, um, any um, feelings of suicidality or feelings that you might hurt yourself, that isn't in time to immediately reach out. And um, usually if people are voicing that or have those feelings, they've had them for a, a significant, some time before they actually talk about them. So it would be very important to reach out to somebody in the mental health field um, if any of those feelings are coming up. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much. This has been great. Thank you. You're welcome. I just would like to say if we can close it out by what I started in the beginning, which is that please remember fertility is treatable and um, the doctors here can help you. And again, it may not be exactly the way you thought, but it is treatable. Thank you, Carrie. Thank I agree. You. I you. Treatable. Come, come see us for treatment. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye. Carrie. Bye. Bye. Carrie. Bye. Bye. Bye.